Good morning, church. Uh, it's another Sunday, uh, you know, here on Lord's Day. Um, and like normal, we're all at home or with friends and family. And, you know, again, this is, you know, a couple months into this, you know, weird situation. And uh, I was actually inspired with, with our welcome here, um, just considering really kind of how normal stuff like this is. And uh, I just finished a run myself, and I was really encouraged uh, just by the Holy Spirit of what our life living for Jesus is, is really like. Uh, often, you know, we, we get distracted and persuaded by the pleasures and, and you know, enjoyments of this world, um, and, and we kind of just settle. And, and as I was thinking, and like I even just here, I'm, I'm just sweating like crazy, it's super hot out. Uh, that's kind of the reality that a lot of us face. And really, you know, we come to church all looking nice, but a lot of us have this, you know, we're, we're you know, sweating profusely uh, from the trials of life. And uh, so I just want to welcome you guys all into uh, just a time to kind of refresh, come to the Lord and, and bring our, our burdens to Him, uh, much like we would when we're, we, we just run, uh, you know, and set our, set our record and, you know, we're, we feel accomplished. Um, but sometimes we feel super beat down. So wherever we're at, whether we're, you know, we're trudging on and we're, you know, we're running the race, as Paul likes to say, uh, and actually I'm going to read it here in just a second. You know, either whether we're running the race hard and we're, we're persevering or we're, we're stumbling and falling down. Either way, uh, you know, hopefully we can be encouraged this morning. So I just want to read uh, just a, a really just powerful verse uh, and uh, one that encourages us from Paul. And he says in... Um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 24. <sighs> Gotta catch my breath here. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we in an imperishable. And this, this is his, his kind of you know, one-two punch. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So along with just welcome you guys uh, to another Sunday, uh, I'm also just wanting to encourage us in, in our walks. It doesn't look the best often, and it's often really hard, like after we've just exercised. Um, so just encourage you guys. Uh, and up next, we're going to have uh, uh, some scripture reading and some worship to just begin our, our time uh, with the Lord. Um, and as we uh, just commit this day to Him, and uh, really, again, just running the race um, and pursuing Jesus. Bless you guys. Love you. We'll see you around. Good morning, church, on this beautiful day. If you have your Bibles handy, we are going to look at Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to read to you from the ESV translation. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord.
Good morning, church family. I just want to start off by telling you that I miss and love all of you very much. I hope everyone's doing well out there. And now it's time for meet and greet. So a couple of our church families want to say hi. So let's meet and greet. Hi, church family. We're the Gonzalezes. I'm Molly. This is Lydia. And this is Marco. And we just wanted to say a quick hello and let you know that we can't wait to be with you and see you soon. We also wanted to share a quick verse with you as a word of encouragement. It's one of our favorite verses, Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So we're praying for you. We hope that you're all praying for us as well. And again, we can't wait to see you guys again soon. Bye! Bye-bye! Good morning, church family. I'm Colton. And I'm Sierra. We just wanted to say hi and we miss you and hope you're doing good. And just wanted to say hi to everyone in the huddle. Good morning. Before we pray for our offering today, I wanted to share a couple of verses with you from Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I have found uh, just both of these uh, verses that the Lord brought to my mind uh, just really impactful uh, recently, and it just seems like the Lord's been talking to me a lot about this topic lately, about where is my treasure? Is my treasure in him? Is my treasure in anything in this world? Who do I love? What do I love? Do I put my confidence? Do I put my trust? Do I put my faith in money, in the ability to take care of myself? Or is my trust in my faith and my confidence and my love actually in God and in God alone? So I have felt really challenged by these questions lately, and I hope that you are. I ask you to just ask yourself, where is your treasure? Where is your love? Is it in God or is it in other things? So would you come with me and just uh, as we pray today for our offering? Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your greatness, for your power towards us. Um, Lord, we ask you to really uh, just shed your light to bring truth into our thinking, to bring truth into our hearts, because you are the truth. You are the truth, Lord. And so we just ask you to put in our hearts a desire to uh, love nothing more than you, to love nothing other than you, to put all of our treasure in you, in the heavens, in your kingdom, in your work in this world. Lord, we uh, just thank you for just being with us every day, for your daily provision, for your daily love, and for your faithfulness each day to us, Jesus. Amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday service. Good morning again, church family. It's time for announcements. The first announcement I have for you today is if you are watching this before 10 a.m. on Sunday, come and join us at the Nordoff parking lot where we are having a caravan food drive. So please come and join us. And then afterwards, we're driving through the neighborhoods in the Ojai Valley, just blessing people. So please come and join us if it's before 10 a.m. Also, I don't know if you've noticed, but the piano is missing behind the worship band. 
we had the opportunity to donate it to the continuing care center behind um, Ojai Hospital. And so now they're going to be enjoying that piano for years to come. Also, now, I don't know if you know what time it is, but I am ready for Kingdom Kids. Hi, Kingdom Kids. Oh, I'm so glad you're down in the bottom of the sea with me. Well, I'm just kind of floating around. I'm trying to stay real still. These things really help, but you know what? I was surprised because I was just hanging out and this fishy looking thing came near me and said, Hey, how are you doing? Shake my hand. And I looked and he had all these fingers and I'm thinking, no, I don't think so. First of all, we're not supposed to be shaking hands. And second of all, he didn't look very trustworthy. And then I thought about it. I'm like, uh-huh. I know. So when you're watching this, stay real still like I am because I don't know what's coming up behind me. So, But I want to talk to you because I really miss you guys. So I realize that these are some of the most beautiful creatures in the entire world. Not just the sea. They're jellyfish. Jellyfish are graceful, delicate creatures that live in our oceans and some lakes. They range from a few inches to a few feet in size. And they come in every color and shape you can imagine. They're so soothing and most peaceful to watch, but they are deceptive little creatures. Many pack a painful, deadly punch with their long stingers. Their primary means for stunning and catching food. Those stingers also serve as a needed defense weapon as well as a hunting tool. Unlike many of the creatures we've discussed, jellyfish have no power. They aren't even a fish at all. Jellyfish are invertebrates, creatures who do not have a spine. Hey, what makes a jellyfish laugh? Ten tickles. <laughs> okay, moving along. Jellyfish can move a little on their own, but mostly they drift in and out with the currents. Instead of charting their own path, they are carried by the water, flowing here and there with the shifting tides. Creatures are, like humans are able to stand upright because we have spines. And yet sometimes humans will call other humans spineless or even jellyfish. Why? Because sometimes people are afraid to stand up for what's right. Spineless, another word for fearful, cowardly, and afraid. It means when the going gets tough, the spineless get going in the opposite direction. They rather drift along, being tossed here and there by the waves, than to put their foot down and take a stand. They don't say a word when someone says something untrue. They go with the flow when others give in to peer pressure. They slink away when a bully makes life hard for them or for someone they know. They may think we have a good reason to be spineless in our world today, but I assure you, none of us here have yet faced the kind of challenge in today's biblical heroes faced. Three friends in today's story were captives living in the land of Babylon under the powerful king Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had just passed a law that meant the boys would either have to go with the flow or die. Read Daniel 3, 8 through 30 in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice. Wow, say ten, that 10 times fast. Uh, I'm not going to do it because I get really excited and I'll mess it up. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go with the flow, just like everybody else. Go against everything you believe or die. As difficult as that choice would likely be for you and me, it wasn't even a question for these three young Israelites. They believed in God and they knew that God was the only one they would worship. All of us would have had times in our lives when our backbone is tested. We will. We will face challenges and people will be watching to see if we go with the flow or if we stand strong. Maybe it's a bully pushing around a smaller kid who needs a friend. Maybe it's someone who challenges your belief in God. Maybe it's a fellow student who wants you to go along with the crowd and give in to prayer pressure. Oh, everybody's doing it. Everyone except you. What harm can it do? Well, get this, saying no to peer pressure and to a bully makes you stronger than going along with the crowd. Yep. As Christians, we need to have the faith and courage to stand up for what's right, 
We need to defend the weak. We need to defend our faith and we need to stand up straight for the truth and what's right. God will give you the backbone. He will give you the courage to stand firm. Don't be a jellyfish. Take a stand for what's right and stand with Jesus. God is always by our side and there is nothing greater than that. Hey, check out more about this story and more lesson ideas and activities on our website. Click the link under Kingdom Kids and you're gonna see so much fun. Now I'm gonna try to float up to the top and get away from these little dudes because they're kind of making me nervous. I'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful week. I miss you guys. And all of us at Kingdom Kids, we miss your families and everybody. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Hi, Kingdom Kids. I miss you. Bye. Yeah! <laughs> I can't see. Well, good morning. And uh, thank you for joining us again this Sunday, May 31st. And uh, last week in our study of the book of Ephesians, we looked at chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And a core theme of last week's message was unity, the unity that we have in Christ. And, and I related uh, the need for us to really uh, understand the biblical basis for our unity in light of uh, the current circumstances uh, in our country and particularly as uh, now churches are navigating the process of, of potentially reopening, uh, even based on the new guidelines that came out from the state uh, this past week. And, and I really want to encourage us this morning as we continue through Ephesians chapter 2 to, to really be attentive to uh, the theme of unity and really as the church uh, that the basis of our unity is who we are in Christ. What God has done in his grace in bringing us together to be the church really united in Christ. And so uh, I really want to encourage us with that this morning and uh, just kind of a, a, an update uh, last week, we sort of had a family meeting, and I shared with you uh, the process that uh, we as the leadership team here at The Well have been uh, going through weekly uh, and daily, really seeking God for His direction during this time. And uh, many of you may be aware that the state of California came out with uh, some very specific guidelines. Uh, actually, the packet was about 13 pages of guidelines uh, regarding uh, worship services and houses of worship. And uh, we did meet this past Wednesday, the leadership team, and discussed, uh, you know, what, what was shared. And, and quite honestly, as a whole, without going to a, a, a lot of detail, uh, really we're still continuing to seek the Lord uh, for the future uh, potential gatherings of the church family uh, at, here at the well or in, in other capacities. And I, and I really want to encourage you, if you haven't had the chance, uh, go uh, search the internet and, and find uh, the guidelines that were released uh, by the state of California. And uh, you'll be educated. You will have your own opportunity to read it for yourself and to understand uh, the complexities uh, that uh, we're facing, that all the churches are facing uh, in the valley and in the state and around the country uh, as we try to navigate our heart to shepherd you, to shepherd God's flock uh, in, the same, in the same way adhering to and honoring uh, the government and being safe and being a good testimony to the community. Uh, I did want to share with you some of the highlights from uh, the guidelines. Again, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I want to give you some, some significant points to us that really uh, brought us to the place of saying, specifically regarding Sunday mornings, uh, we're still sort of in a holding pattern and still waiting uh, for God uh, to bring more clarity. So, so some of the guidelines included uh, a maximum uh, attendance of 100 people or or limiting attendance to 25% of building capacity. And it was really interesting. This morning, I read an article 
uh, where the Supreme Court of the United States rejected an appeal uh, by a church uh, down in Chula Vista, California, uh, that said that the 25% uh, building capacity uh, limitation violated uh, their constitutional uh, guarantee of religious freedom. And the Supreme Court of the United States rejected their appeal. And uh, Chief Justice Roberts wrote that the limit of 25% or 100 worshipers, uh, uh, worshipers appears consistent with the First Amendment. Roberts said similar or more severe limits apply to concerts, movies, and sporting events where large groups of people gather in close proximity for extended periods of time. So again, one of the guidelines uh, from the state of California was a maximum of 100 people or capping attendance at 25% of building capacity. The guidelines also suggested uh, that congregants should be asked to wear face coverings. Uh, social distancing should be implemented where uh, household units are separated by six feet in the worship center, in our worship center. Uh, children are to stay with their household unit and not interact with other children at any time while visiting facilities. Uh, churches are uh, suggested that we close or restrict common areas, discontinuing offering self-service food and beverages. So to us, that means no more coffee, donuts, and cheese, right? Uh, also, the guidelines say that we should strongly consider discontinuing singing, group recitation, and other practices and performances where there is increased likelihood for transmission from contaminated exhaled droplets. And, and finally, uh, I'll share a final uh, guideline. Again, there's more, but uh, these are kind of the ones that stood out to me, stood out to us. The guidelines say that we should discourage staff, congregants, visitors, etc., from engaging in handshakes, hugs, and similar greetings that break physical distance. So even just with those uh, several guidelines that I've shared, you, you see that, that really these guidelines wouldn't be conducive, wouldn't help further our goal of, of loving one another, of being in fellowship, you know, of building a sense of community here on a Sunday morning. And that's why uh, we're just going to continue to to wait on the Lord, continue to talk, continue to try to find creative ways, uh, perhaps down the road for us to adhere to the guidelines, to be safe, to be a good testimony. But, but maybe down the road, uh, there'll be opportunities in smaller uh, group settings where we can enjoy some uh, personal uh, interaction uh, that really, really, uh, at the sense, meets the heart of being together. Not just, you know, gathering and, and to be able to say, well, I went to church, but it was kind of funky, but at least I went. No, our heart truly is to love God and to love one another. At the same time, I want to encourage you that, that as we're praying, we're also celebrating. Many of you may not know that in the last 12 weeks, uh, through our online uh, Zoom groups, we now have more people connected through small groups here at the well than we've ever had in 10 years as a church, from teenagers to young adults to women to Tuesday night to two men's groups to the prayer group, prayer ministry still meeting. We have more people connected via small groups than we've ever had. And we praise God for that. We, we thank all of you who, who, step up, who you know, have stepped out of your comfort zone and learned the technology. And, and God's really building deep relationships through these groups. We also celebrate God's giving in the last 12 weeks. Uh, you have listened to God. We celebrate that. It has been an absolute uh, testimony, and we rejoice in what God has done uh, through you and in response to him and your heart of, of generosity. So, so we praise God and we thank you for what he's done in the last 12 weeks uh, in the area of finances and giving. And we praise God for the gifts and the involvement and the engagement of many of you, even in the production of these Sunday morning videos. 
Uh, it's been phenomenal. We, we've celebrated, we've laughed. Uh, many of you have been creative. Uh, you've gotten over your nerves just to say hello. Uh, the technology behind it, using your gifts, the editing and the worship team. We are just rejoicing in all that God has done and is doing in so many lives in the last 12 weeks, even though we haven't been able to gather here on Sunday mornings and, and do church uh, in the traditional sense. So I want to encourage you, God does work all things for the good. He is working all things for the good because God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Okay, so we're going to continue to seek the Lord together and we're going to see what he wants in his timing and his plan for us here at the well. This morning, we're going to continue the theme of unity uh, through Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. Uh, we're going to start with those. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul is really speaking to the Gentiles and kind of retelling the story of how they came in to be part of the church, right? So there were the Gentiles uh, and there were the Jews who were God's chosen people. And in God's supernatural, miraculous way, right? He brings these two groups together in unity in Christ. So let's read Ephesians 2, 11 to 18. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Amen. And it's absolutely essential to, to note and to remember that when Jesus spoke these words, and as God was forming the early church, this was an absolutely incredible, revolutionary, radical paradigm shift right, to unite the Gentiles and the Jews as one in Jesus, really, it, it, was, it was so extraordinary because it was, it was really confronting centuries-long history of, of animosity and hostility and racial hatred, right? These two groups had nothing to do with each other, didn't want anything to do with each other. And in Christ, it says, Jesus himself is our peace, these two groups are brought together in unity in Christ, right? And Paul, in, in verses 9 through, 19 through 22, you see that he emphasizes, he focuses on what, what unites the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Their new position as the church, uh, rather than what separates them. And, and here's what he focuses on in verses 19 to 22. It says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, right? So he says they're fellow citizens and members of the household of God, right? Philippians 3, verse 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject 
all things to himself. John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So again, the Apostle Paul says, hey, now we're just all citizens of heaven. We're fellow citizens and we're members of the household of the God. We're family. We're family. So, so don't lose sight of how radical, even how challenging that was to the early saints, right? We, we, we celebrate, we desire so much to be back here together. And God has really blessed us with a diverse congregation representing uh, Ojai and all the various parts of the valley. And yet the early church was overcoming, was challenged with, with having to overcome centuries of division and animosity just to gather as the church. That's the radical nature of what Paul is talking about, right? In Ephesians 20, it says this, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Again, verse 20, it says, Together, together, we, right? We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And I want to take a few moments here just to explain that phrase, because we know actually that Jesus is the foundation. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So truly, Jesus is the foundation, right? He told Peter that, that he was uh, the rock on which the church was going to be built. It's Jesus is the ultimate foundation of the church, of our salvation, of our unity, right? So when it says in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, what, what the apostle Paul is really referencing here is that the New Testament apostles and prophets were used by God, right? God supernaturally revealed his word to the apostles and prophets. And these apostles and prophets were foundational, okay? They were used foundationally to preach God's word, which pointed to what? To who? The foundation, Jesus, okay? So that's really what what that phrase means, because it can be a little bit, well, I thought Jesus was the foundation, and now the Apostle Paul says it's the apostles and the prophets. Well, really, what it is, again, the apostles and prophets were foundational in the preaching of God's revealed word to point people to the ultimate foundation of the church, Jesus. Okay? In fact, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is speaking to his ministry, building upon the foundation of Jesus. And then in verse 20, it says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And I really want to focus here on what it means uh, when we say that Jesus is the cornerstone and more personally, that Jesus is my cornerstone or he's your cornerstone. What does that really mean? Well, a cornerstone was really an essential part of building uh, a structure, right? Especially in the ancient times, right? And uh, I found this from uh, backtothebible.org. It's, it's entitled Building on the Cornerstone. And it says this, Historically, the cornerstone was the most important part of any building. The total weight of an edifice rested on this particular stone, which, if removed, would collapse the whole structure. The cornerstone was also the key to keeping the wall straight. The builders would take sightings along the edges of this part of the building. If the cornerstone was set properly, the stonemasons could be assured that all the other corners of the building would be at the appropriate angles as well. Thus, the cornerstone became a symbol for that which held life together. Right? So the cornerstone was an absolutely essential, was the first stone, and everything was built, was laid according to the cornerstone, and the cornerstone supported everything. Absolutely essential that we understand uh, really what the Apostle Paul is, means when he says Jesus is 
the cornerstone. Jesus should be the cornerstone, right? The, when he said this, the Jews uh, may have thought of Herod's temple, right? And the Gentiles may have thought of the great temple of Diana. So even in that culture, uh, the, the term cornerstone was very, very significant. Wayne Barber says this, Oddly enough in my study, I found that in ancient times, the cornerstone was actually more important than the foundation. The cornerstone was the major structural part of ancient buildings and was the first stone that was laid. So really, when you talk about him as the cornerstone, you move it up just a notch. Not only is he that which uh, the building rests upon, but he is the first stone of the building that was laid. He is the chief cornerstone. It had to be strong enough to support what was built on it, so it had to be precisely laid. Every part of the structure was oriented to the cornerstone. And I want to encourage you, uh, the difference, the, the distinction between Jesus' foundation and Jesus' cornerstone. Very important. I believe this is going to help many of us this morning. Because we often say, yeah, Jesus is my foundation. Maybe we wouldn't say it this way, Jesus is my rock. And I get that, and that's true. But sometimes I think that's very general. That's very broad, and it speaks to our position in Christ. It speaks to our names being uh, written in the book of life. It may even speak to our general worldview, our biblical worldview. Yes, Jesus is my foundation. But then when we say, Jesus is my cornerstone, then things get really practical and specific. Because if Jesus is my cornerstone, if Jesus is your cornerstone, now we ask the question, Am I really depending on Him? Am I really trusting Him? Is my entire life resting on Jesus, my cornerstone? And then we ask a second question. If Jesus is my cornerstone, is my life as a whole and then all the specific bricks of my life or stones of my life, are they in alignment with Jesus, my cornerstone? You see how practical and actually how wonderful that is, right? We can say, okay, Jesus is my cornerstone. I trust him. He's supporting me. And Jesus is my cornerstone. So I want to be in alignment. I want every area of my life, every stone, every part of my life to be in alignment with Jesus because he's my cornerstone. He's my cornerstone. And I align myself to him. And how do we do that? Through the word of God. Through the word of God primarily. And here's the glorious truth. As your life rests on Jesus, who is our cornerstone. As your life, as my life uh, is in alignment with Jesus, the cornerstone. We experience that abundant life that Jesus came to give. And then, and then as each one in the church rests on Jesus, as each one in the church in the sanctification process desires to honor God by being in alignment with the cornerstone, who benefits? The church. The church. We celebrate together. We're unified. Why? Because all of us are just desiring to be in alignment with the cornerstone. All of us are unified in resting on the cornerstone, who's Jesus so I want to encourage you this morning, take time to really, really seek the Lord and, and reflect on what it means to say that Jesus is your cornerstone. He's your foundation. He's my foundation. But is he your cornerstone this morning? Are you resting in him? Or I can put it another way. Who or what is your cornerstone? What are you really resting in your finances, your career, your relationships, your own understanding, your own intellect, control? Are you your cornerstone? Jesus might be your foundation, but in the practicality of your life, who or what is your cornerstone this morning? And how, how uh, aligned are you with Jesus, the cornerstone. You know, I think about uh, my car. Sometimes the alignment goes out and, 
And for whatever reason, and sometimes I'm driving and the steering wheel gets a little skewed and it wants to pull this way. And I'm like, man, front wheels are out of alignment. I need to take it somewhere, right? You take it somewhere, they do whatever they do, and suddenly everything's back in alignment. And so maybe there's seasons where things are good and, and for the most part, your things are in alignment. But, but, but maybe this morning, are you willing to say, Lord, is there something in my life that's out of alignment, that, that it doesn't quite line up? Maybe it, just, maybe it just drifted, and maybe for whatever reason, it just got moved a little bit. Maybe in the last 12 weeks, some things are just a little out of alignment, and God wants to today and into the future just to get them back where they need to be so they're in alignment with the cornerstone, with the cornerstone. As we prepare for communion, I want to read uh, 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. This morning as we prepare for communion, would you just take a moment to reflect again on what it means for Jesus to be your foundation and your cornerstone? Would you take a moment to celebrate that at one point you, you understood the gospel and you said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my foundation. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. And now I want you to be my cornerstone. And if you've never done that, if you've never put your faith in Jesus this morning, I encourage you. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Make him the foundation of your life. And then make him the cornerstone. And over time, allow him to bring things into alignment. Allow him to teach you what it means to trust him and rest in him. Let him support every area of your life. So this morning, once again, if you have been celebrating communion with us, I encourage you to do so as we sing this song about, of course, Jesus being the cornerstone of our life. Go ahead and celebrate communion uh, wherever you are. And when we're finished, I'll close us and we'll uh, be dismissed. Let's sing together.
Before we close in prayer, I wanted to share a picture uh, of a cornerstone. Uh, you know, I, I tend to be uh, more visual and, and I tend to lock things into my head and heart uh, a little better if I see them. And so I wanted to share with you this picture, this drawing uh, of a cornerstone. And uh, just as a, as a reminder uh, that Jesus is our cornerstone and, and then all the other stones are in alignment with the cornerstone and all the other stones rest on the cornerstone. And, and maybe this will be a, a nice little tool as we uh, prepare to uh, dismiss, as you prepare to get into your day and into the week. Uh, maybe uh, it'll just be a nice reminder uh, to, to seek the Lord about what it truly means for Jesus to be your cornerstone. How are, how are the various areas of your life in alignment with Jesus as revealed through God's word? And are you resting? Are you trusting? Are you allowing Jesus to support every area of your life? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the incredible example of you bringing the Gentiles and the Jews together to be the church united in Christ. Thank you that we are fellow citizens. Thank you that we are all members of the household of God. And thank you that Jesus is our cornerstone, that you desire for all of your children to be in alignment with Jesus. You desire for all of us to be resting, trusting, depending on Jesus. And not only will we receive uh, the benefit of doing that. Not only will we be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus, but as we all do this, the church will benefit. The church will enjoy unity. The church will enjoy a true fellowship, true koinonia, true love in Jesus. So Father, we do love you. Our desire is to glorify you. So uh, help make these truths uh, real to us today and into the days and weeks and months and years ahead so that truly we are living our life with Jesus as our cornerstone. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us once again. Have a blessed week. And we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.